A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Last week, Dad and I looked at the Wanda Beach murders and we closed off this terrible case by looking at several of the suspects. Now, Dad, you teased to me, you said there are three primary suspects in the Wanda Beach murders and that they are so complex and awful that they warrant their own episode. So this week we are looking at the three primary suspects, as far as Dad is concerned, in the Wanda Beach murders. Alan Bassett... Derek Percy, and Christopher Wilder. Dad, I've spent a little bit of time looking into the uh, case histories of all three of these people, and what's interesting is that whilst the first two are bad, the third is so bad that I, I'm having real trouble even comprehending that level of evil. But we're going to start with Alan, Alan Bassett. Now, yeah, how do you want to start this? Because... They're all they're all very evil people, but what they did and why they are suspects is is a very very interesting uh, series of events. Hmm. Well, I think it's always good in these cases to all examine. Yeah, that's all the listeners mm-hmm. as we talk to examine one's own minds and be very very comforted in the fact that people can go to dark places. You know, we all have sort of desires and, you know, you think things and you see things and they trigger other thoughts. But thank God most people in the world don't follow through with... I mean, if everyone just did what they felt... You mean acted on their darkest impulses? Yeah, yeah, I I mean even if you look it's just we we have constraints they're sort of societal norms and they do vary from country to country. I mean there are things that you know you may do culturally in Australia that would not be accepted uh in other countries. Yeah, but I mean there's you know you know I was at a friend's dinner once when I was at school and one of the family members belched extremely loudly and nobody flinched because apparently in their culture it's considered a compliment oh, yes. to the chef, right? Yeah. But we're talking about murder. I mean, there, are. there is a limit. Now, I was raised on, you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic of thou shalt not kill, but mm. I... <sighs> Paul, um, look, just just to lighten things up before we go into the... <laughs> Please. Sort of into the, into the, the abyss. Weeds. Yes. Um, speaking about people that cannot... Or could not control their their 
their desires or they have this dislocation between their thought process and their actual movement, mm-hmm. i.e. their hand movement, is the classic case. And, and a lot of listeners may recall this story. And then, and then again, they may not. Uh, but, Paul, you may recall the story about your grandmother yeah. at a dinner oh. party oh, in the 19... 19- hang on, hang on. Grandma... Grandma listens to this show. Have I know. you told this story on the show before? Oh, God. I'm, no, I'm serious, because here's the thing. Possibly. We about to, Dad, Grand- we're about to talk about some profound shit. No, I understand. Shit. I just want to, I just want to set, set the things in motion whereby people, most people think things but don't follow through. This is the, I'm, what we're talking about here are, are people, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, fucking just creepy. Monsters. Sh- scary people yeah um, they don't always present as monsters though that's we need to to realize that that they can be incredibly charismatic and and good looking and charming i just want to just quickly point out that you, what the story you're about to tell about my grandmother mm. your mother yeah you aren't drawing a direct line between that story and the murders no, you're no. just saying that sometimes people have brain farts Correct. and they do things that are yes okay, I just, okay. it's incredible so i'm but I, I have a feeling we may have mentioned it but if you think, react the way i think you may then maybe you will not have heard this story i think we i i'm almost certain we've mentioned it uh well it's a but, classic so yeah, they're having just, yeah they're having a dinner party on sydney's lower north shore in the uh-huh. 50s and if yes. you go back to the 50s you think shit this is if it happened today, it'd be so bad. Mm. Back then, you can't imagine. And they're having a dinner party and a gentleman sitting opposite my mother, because my mother was, and mum, just block your ears for a sec. I mean, <laughs> my mother was, uh, I say was, <laughs> somewhat, should we say, buxom. And this guy just reaches across and just grabs her breast and starts squeezing it and fondling it in front of everyone. Including my father, Paul. Yeah, it's sort of hard to know how to react in these situations. No, but okay. So we've set the the scene. Yeah. Uh, by demonstrating that, thank God, most people don't follow through on their on their actions and desires without sort uh, of. Well, you know what I mean. to that point, and moving swiftly on from that awkwardness. Mm. Uh, the first suspect, Bassett, when he was arrested, he actually said, something came over me and I can't really describe things. I know. And he, he look, pleaded guilty to manslaughter mm. because it seems like he potentially had a, you know, like a similarly odd... No, because I, I don't, I don't want to hand wave no. away or forgive what he did. But No, no, no. But he look, he meets this... this, this she has been described again. We're using the, the, the terminology as of the period. So listeners yes. don't go all fucking weird and go, oh, you know, but this is just from, we often quote words and terminology. Listeners don't hop into 2022 and go, that's not cool. Okay. Don't shoot the messenger. So occasionally when we use words to describe, for example, in this case, the media described the woman as a vivacious. 20-year-old. Now, that would not be said today, to be no, fair. That's, that, that's, that's fine. People get that, yeah. No, I understand. I just like yeah. to, because I, I don't want people to think that I use these words that, yeah. to describe. Like, if I see a photograph of a, a person that I think is very attractive, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be very judicious when I describe them, because we are a true crime podcast. Uh, unique, might I say. 
in the world of true crime podcasts. But she was attractive. They meet and everything's going really well. And they were dancing. They had a wonderful evening. You just don't know what this guy is thinking. Because, I mean, does he... The girl really liked him, trusted him. So many people saw them leave together. It's not the perfect crime. Is this Carolyn Orphan? Yes. Yeah, so this is on June the 11th, 1966, and she's in, 20 in, years old. In, in Wollongong. Wollongong. Yep. That, that fateful town uh, with the, the Potter case, uh, the lovely girl that was beheaded. It's sad how I think about every time I drive through Wollongong, which I do occasionally heading south from Sydney, that's what I think of. I think of all the shitty things that have happened there, which is kind of weird. Um, and he is ostensibly going to take her home. He goes up to a very famous uh, sort of lookout, a very dangerous road where, where trucks have historically uh, their brakes fail. It's a fucking right. dangerous road called the Mount Oosley Overpass. And there, and I, I, you just don't know what's going through her head. She may have thought, because the evening may have been going really well, it's a very romantic uh, point where you look out over the ocean. In fact, a lot of um, paragliders, hang gliders, you know, that's where they sort of, they leave the terra firma and head off into the yonder, uh, if that makes sense. So... They're sitting there. They may have. It, it may have been sort of a romantic interlude, but he just uh, he he just kills her. He strangles her, and she's not dying. And then he picks up this massive rock and he stoves her head in. Uh, then the next morning, a couple are driving by. They see, funnily enough, what they feel is a store mannequin. They pull up. They can see that the store mannequin is, in fact, a, uh, a young woman and she's got a sanitary napkin sort of pad thing wrapped around her neck and she's been strangled and also the her head's been sort of stoved in. The primary reason that we're mentioning this gentleman in relation to the Wanda Beach murders is that some years later he sent a painting to a very senior New South Wales detective and he was actually put into the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital for the Criminally Insane. He sends this painting to a detective, Cess Johnson, Mm-hmm. Now, Cess Johnson was convinced that this Bassett was, in fact, responsible for the Wanda Beach murders because in the painting is a painting of Sandhills, murder victims, a very, very long trail through the sand, mm-hmm. depicted in the painting, and a knife. That describes the scene perfectly. Or it's just him sort of messing with the guy, but that does seem very odd. Well, this detective went to his grave believing that Bassett was, in fact, the the murderer. Right. And it is creepy, the, the concept of sending a painting, because uh, Edward Gacy, you remember mm-hmm. him, the clown? Yes. Responsible for the deaths of more than 50 young boys, the 
prison warden mm-hmm. had a painting that Gacy had done in jail right. of a forest. And in the darkest part of the forest in this painting is a clown peering from behind one of the trees. And the prison warder to this very day believes that that painting was in actual fact a representation of every tree being a dead boy. Good Lord. Okay? Yes. So, you know, people are very, very... You're talking very, very clever people. As we have said many, many times throughout our almost, well, our, God, I can hardly imagine, but it's been five years since we started. There are a lot of people in jail, Paul, that are, that are clever. And more worryingly are there are lots of people out of jail that are very clever that have not and possibly will never, ever be convicted of their heinous crimes. Yeah. So that's that. That's the first person. Okay. So that's Alan Bassett, and that's a. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty compelling argument. I would. Say. I agree. Yeah. And I have been to numerous murders where mm. um, blunt force trauma has has been used on on the victims' heads. Okay. Now the the skull. Yeah. It's strong. It's not just this flimsy. It's designed to house the brain. Some might say the most important part. Of the body. Suspect two. Now, you and I did a, a terribly harrowing story in relation to Derek Percy. And that was in relation to the street in Sydney with no name. And one Sunday morning, Christine and I, and I'll tell you what, the, the listeners may recall that Christine was, was most uh, sort of distressed and found it very sad that John, her husband decided for a bit of fun and entertainment, we would go look for basically one of the most terrible murder scenes in Sydney right. uh, the, where the three-year-old boy was kidnapped. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible story. And Derek Percy, but he has been... Paul, do you have any idea how many crimes that this Percy has been sort of... He was a... He was terrible. Well, he was linked to the deaths of nine children, I yes. believe. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there's Yvonne Tui. She was 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was convicted of the abduction, torture, and murder yeah. of her. Yeah. Um, okay. And then there's Linda Stillwell. They're all young girls, young boys, you know. And then it comes to the Wanda Beach murders. And I was burying deep into this terrible, terrible person. And, Paul, do you recall that? When they arrested him, they went. They found a a warehouse, a storeroom in in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. And do you recall that there were numerous boxes that he'd sort of kept all these sort of files, and he also had a collection of razor blades that he'd used in some of the victims. But yeah, Paul, and they were saying there was one box with a handwritten note, right? But it, correct. But there's also they find a box, and it actually has on the on the cover of the box the word Wanda. Okay? Yeah. And the injuries that were, that were, you know, sort of, what's the word, Paul? With the Wonder Beach girls, that there were similar oh, injuries yes. yeah, inflicted. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go through all the evidence and... Oh, and they also found, by the way, they also found a, uh, like, not a Melways. Um, yes. 
a, a street yeah, directory. A street directory, yeah. And it had, uh, and he kind of, like, it had handwritten notes on it directing the way to the site where the, uh, oh no, that was uh, Linda Stillwell. That was, it. but basically it was sort of, there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that was in- incredibly incriminating. Um, Precisely. And- but, but Paul, one of the most, listeners, one of the most um, startling revelations in relation to Derek Percy and the Wanda Beach murder murders. You recall the suburb where the girls lived? They lived in Ride. Right. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. They had to get the train from Ride to Redfern. Change at Redfern to Cronulla. At the time of the murders, you ready for this? Mm Mm-hmm. Derek Percy was staying with his grandmother in Ride. So, okay. to me, mm-hmm. when you start to pack all the information, you do definitely begin to get a, you know, a, a tangible theory. I'm looking at this list of children that he oh, was... it's fucked, Paul. It's really bad. So, look at the photograph of Alan Redson, six yeah. years old. Yep. Just a, you know... And, and and then, of course, Simon Brook, three-year-old, that we did the case on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty bad. But, Paul, I think at this point it's time to look at the third suspect. Yes. I mean, there were... They, they, they interviewed uh, more than 7,000 people mm-hmm. in relation to this particular case. It's still unsolved. Christine who went to work about half an hour ago, her parting words, which is quite 
because she doesn't really like to be around during the records. Doing the records. I mean, we've talked about this, but he. Uh, sorry, we've talked about this before, but Mum listens to true crime podcasts, and mm. yet she has trouble being in the room. Correct. Hearing and about she this just stuff. yeah, yeah and, and and Christine's a, a wise woman and a woman of few words, similar to me, and except that I'm not a woman. The wisdom part's debatable, and I'm not a person of a few words. Hmm. Okay, so in other words, we're pretty pretty opposite. As she's leaving today, she turns to me, and she said to me something I found quite distressing because she knew because I've been banging on about I've been doing so much research, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, someone, and it's it's not incredibly profound what she said but it was very factual and to the point and she doesn't often make comment but she said someone is alive today that knows what happened and there's no doubt about that yeah and as an aside listeners last week and i'm sorry to bring my grand shit my grandmother my mother back into this but my mother meets this group of women and and they are some hardcore fans of loose units i'm talking to about 10 women on this raised platform in this cafe last week, one of the ladies that I know, she said to me that she, when she was 16 years of age, that's the pretty well the same age as the two victims at Wanda Beach, she used to go to that beach as a 16-year-old. At the, She was 16 at the time. So she was right in that in that sort of age group. And she said it's it's to that to this day she's sort of had this profound sort of uh, it's really affected her knowing that she used to go to a place and she said to me she used to have chico rolls at the local the shops down there um so it's you know these things affect people imagine there would be people out there that had seen things but were not quite aware oh like if you were a kid and you saw you know yeah yes You know, beaches are creepy places. Do you remember, Paul, when I used to go to Curl Curl and there was that guy? I was by myself in this in the change rooms and I was probably, I would have been eight or nine years of age and I was, I'd come out of the beach and I was sort of, you know, drying myself and there was a guy, he would have been in his 40s mm-hmm. and he he had an erection. He had no clothes on and he was masturbating in front of me. Can you imagine if he had to just drag me into a cubicle? It was no—it was just him and me in this change room. And I, as a young kid, I just—I was so fucking scared, and I and I got out of there. But you know, I think beaches are creepy places as well. Like if you're a pedophile, for example, and or you, like there was a surf carnival at Bondi two weeks ago. Christine and I were down there. There were thousands of young kids, and I just. Isn't it weird and isn't it sad the way my brain works in that while I was down on Bondi Beach and there's this big carnival going on, I was actually watching a particular man that was, he just seemed to be paying uh, and he did have a camera, which is, it's not that, you know, unusual, but he was paying attention to to young kids that were participating in those running races where they run and they first person, yeah, they've got to catch the piece of hose, you Mm. know that one? Mm. And I'm just looking at the guy and that's my mind. And I, I don't know whether that's really cool, but I guess you could say, well, 
in a way that's kind of that's what policing is it's sort of looking at a scene piecing together what you what you know about previous experiences and and how certain people work and something about this person just wasn't right or was it so well speaking of cops so retired detective inspector Ian Watterson um he thinks Wilder is responsible for the Wanda Beach murders. And this is a direct quote from him. In my mind, it would have to be Christopher Wilder because there are so many signs to this guy that point to his sexual deviancy, his propensity for violence, and he was around in Sydney at the time he hung around the beaches. Uh, and this is back in January 1965. Wilder was kind of, you know, he was... Look, he moved to America in his 20s and became mm. extremely famous there for something which we're going to talk about soon Hmm. but before then he had a criminal record um he He was was... involved in a uh in a in a gang rape yes and the other two people involved they maintained that they were there but didn't commit the act but yeah he uh i've seen footage of him but wilder was was actually he was one of the police's suspects for the he was charged no, for the Wilder oh, Beach murders. Correct, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. But if you begin to realise um, the type of person he was, mm. so he had a very trouble- problematic childbirth. At the age of two, apparently, he almost drowned. And then very, very interestingly, he makes mention when he goes before a magistrate in Sydney... Mm-hmm makes mention that he'd undergone electroshock therapy and he plants the seed when he's in court. He apportions blame to the therapy that unleashed sort of was this thing that was applied that basically unleashed more of his depravity and badness and the the magistrate said to him in relation he asked him a question he said you know he was trying to sort of ascertain whether this person was sane and capable of basically going to trial for for something that we will mention um at a later date and wilder's response to the magistrate was chilling paul do you know what he said? No. He said, I like... Because he was a... You know he was a photographer, don't you? Yeah. <clears throat> Very keen photographer. He said, I like or I would like to, to have photographs of a woman being raped and I would like to masturbate over the photographs. Was that real? That's exactly what he said to the magistrate. Now, things go bad because what happens is... Uh, what happens is that he committed certain crimes <clears throat> or tried to do various things in the suburb of Manly. He posed as a photographer. He would approach 15, 16-year-old girls. And it's it, you hear about this happening quite often. It used to happen a lot where men would approach girls and say, look, you know, would you like to come back to my studio? Um, because young girls, for some reason... I mean, he must have picked his target. He was very... Look, he was not an unattractive person. He was he was supposed to... I mean, he was described as being moderately attractive and he was also charismatic. 
He had all the cameras. Down at Manly Beach, he took one girl to the back of his car and she says he opened up the boot of the car and it was absolutely full of cameras and lenses. So you're creating an image. He's well-spoken, man about town, nice car, lots of cameras, and the girl thinks it seems okay. And she then, God, she gets in his car and they go back and then he asks her as it's the slippery slope where he then says, look, we're getting some really, really good photographs. Firstly, he took photographs, um, you know, of them standing on the beach next to the beautiful, the Norfolk pine trees down in Manly. Yeah. Sort of creating this and and, and building up a sort of a sense of trust. Then he gets them back to his place, ostensibly his studio. And then he starts to say things like, look, you know, maybe you can, you know, take um, take one of your garments off. So the girl would take her top off to expose, uh, you know, her, her bra. And then he might get her to take her pants off. So there she's standing uh, in her underwear. Then the next natural progression is to take the bra off. And everything's going... I mean, the, what's going through the girl's mind, I don't know. But with the first... Um, shall we say, victim, which is very, very important to remember what we're talking about now in relation to what happens in America, he actually uses this person as, and it's very clever, he uses her, he doesn't rape her, he doesn't threaten her, he doesn't do anything untoward, so to speak, but he then uses her to be his talent scout. So then she is the one that approaches girls. And there are numerous cases of where this girl had approached other girls on Manly Beach. And if you're a young girl and another girl your age comes up and says, hi, look, um, you've got a, you, you look great. Have you ever thought about becoming a model? Um, there's good money. I know a really good photographer. It's everything's sweet. That's clever, isn't it? Mm. To use a... Um, a talent scout. And then what happens is he is ultimately charged with abduction because he takes this girl on the northern beaches and he goes before the court and it's set down for trial, but it's some months away. His mother, now his father was American, his mother's Australian, they posted bail for him, and he skipped the country. Yes, he... Um, well, they were going to interview him, right? Uh, yes. But he bolted. He was 24 years old when he ran. Uh, that was 1969, I think. Mm. And then he settled down in Miami, and they they kind of set the status of the investigation to suspended because, Correct. He, because he ran off. Yeah. Um, and and then, then then the bad stuff started happening in America. Really, really bad stuff. Really terrible, terrible stuff. Um, Which I think kind of warrants its own episode, if I'm honest, because it is a it's a very, very famous crime which Wilder went on to commit, and that one isn't that's not up for debate. uh, You know, he's not a suspect in that. No, he did that one. Hmm. Um, And also, Paul, um, he became a very notorious serial killer. He was on the FBI's ten most wanted list, um, and. I would never have known about this guy unless we had done an episode or two on the Wanda Beach murders. Yeah. And now he's kind of in our crosshairs. We're really... Oh, it's so intense. 
it's 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 a really it's bizarre how sometimes these things sort of link together in a really interesting way. So we're looking forward to talking about it uh, next week on Loose Units: mm. The Shadow Files. It's it's tricky how many of these crimes involve terrible things done to the vulnerable. You know, mm. they say you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat people who are weaker than themselves. And the one common thread is that you notice none of these killers are taking out you know, big dudes who are stronger and scarier than they are. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. It's always yeah. women or children. It's always... <clears throat> yep, yep. <clears throat> and also, Paul, um, for the listeners, we haven't forgotten our exceptionally incredible case uh, where I actually went to a couple's house mm. in a certain suburb of Sydney and they told me in minute detail a story that... We will get to in the next few weeks. Yes, we uh, which is basically, um, you know, this couple was sitting down at a cafe in Sydney, and a few feet from them, on a beautiful Saturday morning, mm-hmm. a body lands next to them. Yeah, it's a terrifying that it, that, story. That it come from the sky. It's, it's the most extraordinary story. It's an incredible story. It's it's very upsetting, as with all of our mm. stories. Yeah. Look, out of these three suspects, who do you think is most likely to have been the one who actually committed the Wanda Beach murders? Is it one? It's, really, it's a great question, Paul, but how about we save my answer? Yep, for next week. For the end of next week's episode, because my answer may surprise you. Okay. All right, we can deal with it then. Well, we've looked at the three prime suspects in the Wanda Beach murders and the... Pandora's box that is the Wilder case. We're going to open that next week on Loose Units to Shadow Files. We'll also be back later this week with Loose Units to Loose Ends. In the meantime, have a great week, everybody, and we will see you very, very soon for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.